Let Him Go Barefoot is a podcast that dives into all things parenting and education through the lens of mindful awareness. Conversations aim to bring forward patterns, beliefs, and attitudes that shape our expectations and ideas about what it means to raise healthy children. With the blend of science, ancient wisdom, and intuition, we will explore ways to support, nurture, and connect with our growing children while also nurturing and expanding ourselves. I am grateful you are here. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Let Him Go Barefoot podcast. Today, I have the honor of speaking to Erin, who is the creator of Barefeet Farm School in Bellingham, Washington. Welcome, Erin. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Sure thing. And if you will, I didn't say your last name because I forgot to double check. Is it Majeski? <laughs> It is, yeah. Majeski, yeah. That sounds magical. Almost like majesty. (laughs) Yeah, majesty. There you go. (laughs) So if you will, let's just jump right into the school and how sort of the origin story and and where where did this idea come from and, you know, kind of what's your mission and what it looks like at this point in time. Sure. Yeah, so I own Barefoot Farm School, which is just in the beginning of its fourth summer camp. We started as, quote, summer camp with Aaron four years ago, where me and six kids hung out in a field for the summer, and it changed my life. I had been teaching preschool inside at a very classic American, um, you know, worksheets and calendar circle time and 15-minute recess outside preschool, and I knew that I loved kids. Um, I didn't I didn't quite know how hard it was for me until I experienced something else. But I, I started summer camp with Aaron because I needed a summer job in 2020. And um, then I went back to the, the indoor preschool after that. And it was just so much harder for me. I was angry. I was yelling a lot, which is not part of my character. I was um, really stressed at work and I knew that something needed to change because preschool is so important, but that is not how I was thriving. It's not how the kids was thr- were thriving. So that spring break, my then boyfriend, who is now my husband and I built a fence and um, an outhouse. We got a boat that has been converted into a playhouse. And oh then gosh. that summer we had our first summer camp as Barefeet Farm School. I hired an employee and we had uh, we started that summer with three kids and we ended the summer full which was 12 kids for us that year and then excuse me we jumped right into our first year of outdoor preschool as barefoot farm school so in the in the school year we have preschool for kids who are three to five years old we're fully outside um, year-round so in Bellingham Washington that means there's some snow there's a lot of rain there's a lot of cold Um, but also some beautiful sunny winter days as well. And then Mm -hmm. we have summer camps for kids who are three to seven. And yeah, like I said, this is our fourth one. That's amazing. Well, it's always so fun to hear how ideas come together. And the fact that you experienced the outdoor preschool life and then were able to compare it to that indoor experience and as somebody who used to work in preschool as well, my mom was a preschool teacher for many, many years. I know what you're saying, that indoor space, it feels so confined. And then once you get outside and have that experience. So talk to us a little bit about what your vision is for 
the Barefeet Farm School and the fact that you now have, how many kids did you say you have now? We have 12 kids a day in the school year and then 15 a day in the summer. 15 a day in the summer. So do the parents drop the kids off? Do they stay or how, how does that work? Parents drop off. Sometimes they stay for a little bit um, and we always encourage community. I'm. It's really important to me that parents and their kids have strong connections, obviously, and mm-hmm. I think that families are meant to be together. So if parents feel like staying, they're welcome to. And I always tell them that they're welcome to, but nobody ever stays. <laughs> well, they feel like their kids are in good hands, it sounds like. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> and and so then I know that you have a little one that you've added to your family. So talk to us about how you incorporate your own child into your day-to-day life in the farm school. Sure. Yeah, Luke is eight months old right now. So he was born last October. So after our third summer camp, I hired an extra staff member for our school year last year. So at the beginning of the school year, there were three of us when it only required two. And then Luke was born at the beginning of October. So I left for a while um, and, and left the school to my two trusty teachers who I'm so grateful for. They really kept it afloat and I wasn't worried. It was amazing. Uh, And then Luke and I came back. I think he came to school for the first time when he was a month old, just for a few hours. And then um, over time, more and more. And now he's with us all the time at school. I have him in the ergo a lot in the baby carrier, Um, but he's just starting to crawl. So he's on the move all over the place (laughs) uh, and a really important part of our community. Mm hmm. So you're saying you're in a, so you're still in that field that you originally were in. Is that correct? Yeah, and right. then you built a fence and you yep. have an old boat that you converted into a playhouse. Mm-hmm. And is this field, uh, um, belongs to your family? Is it a property that you purchased? How does, how did that come together? Yeah, I'm so grateful and lucky to have access to this property. My family owns it. Uh, so the, the property is 15 acres, half of it is forest, and half of it is like rolling hills field, and it has a pond, and it has a horse and two donkeys that we share a fence line with, so they mm. watch us all day. <laughs> but yeah, our classroom is is a fenced area that's it's like 200 feet by 60 feet, and it has the boat playhouse, the outhouse, a triangle, like an A-frame playhouse, and then a shelter a three-sided shelter so we do have quite a bit of shelter space although it all is open air yeah and you said you have a like the outhouse so it's literally like a I mean is it like old school the the you know no plumbing I it doesn't have plumbing but I always tell families when we tour that it's not a scary hole in the ground because that's yeah. ideal for preschoolers <laughs> um yeah it has a composting toilet inside of it Okay, great. Well, they learn early, right? About how all that works. It's totally. Probably, it's probably a very interesting conversation to have. Yeah, it's important um, life skills. It really is. So how? And I saw too that you are um, are certified. What does that mean exactly? Like a certified nature program? We're licensed. Yeah, or so licensed. There we go. In, okay. In the state of Washington. We're the first state to have a specifically outdoor preschool license. So all states have have preschool licenses and there's varying rules Um, in Washington. If you're having class for more than four hours a day, you have to be licensed. And so that means that you have to follow the rules about um, cleaning and ratios and hours, communication with families, all of the preschool things, handbooks. But Washington State, as of a few years ago, has an outdoor preschool license. And so as part of the license, we are um, 
quote unquote allowed to, I don't love rules. I was really resistant to being licensed for a long Mm. time. Um, but we are licensed because it provides access to more families and that's important to us. So we are allowed to make fires. We can play with sticks, um, do whittling if we wanted to be fully outside. It has accommodations for nap time, um, how to make that happen outside. So I know that actually Maryland also is in the process of creating an outdoor preschool licensure as well. Okay. Well, that's that's something new to me. I hadn't really ever thought about the fact that there needed to be a potential framework for the outdoor only preschool. It makes sense, but I had never really thought about that. So something I'm going to definitely look into even more because that's it's interesting. I wonder if North Carolina has anything like that. That's where I am, as you know. Yeah. So given that, I mean, there are special considerations that you have to really think through with being in an outdoor space. And is one of the licensing requirements that you can't have more than 12 kids, or is that just a decision that you made? That's a decision that we made. It is a, a pretty classic group size for preschool. Um, to me, it feels like the right amount of kids. Um, you don't, I don't want to have too few kids because mm-hmm. then uh, they don't play by themselves as much. If there's if there's too few kids and they all have access to adults, then they're going to want to play with the adults. And that's not what our school is for. But if there are just enough kids so that they know that they cannot have one-on-one support all the time, then they will play and uh, flourish to a greater degree. So we chose to have 12. Okay. Okay. No, that's good to know. And with the two teachers, did they have to go through any special training or were were these people that you knew personally who also just kind of have that same interest and vision as you do? I actually, this is so sneaky of me. I met (laughs) them working at that other indoor preschool and I asked them (laughs) if they wanted to work for me and they said, yes. It's amazing how that works, isn't it? (laughs) Well, Mm -hmm. and yeah, I handpicked them. It sounds like y'all have made a very interesting and fun experience for kids and, and it is every day. Monday through Friday, mm-hmm. and it's from... We're four days a week, okay. actually, Monday through Thursday. Monday through Thursday, and it's... What What time did you say again? Or did you... Nine to three. Nine hours. to three. So nine to three, Monday through Thursday. Okay. And you're outside the whole time. We are. I just want to reiterate that to everybody who's listening, because <laughs> it's so fun, you know? I mean, I, I've... That's one of the things that I have loved so much about homeschooling over the years, is that we spent so much time outside. I mean, even one of our neighbors was like, do y'all ever go in? <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, we do. But you know, when we can, we're out here. It feels so good. And it, I think it makes for calmer children and it, it gives them that sense of awe and looking at the world and all the crevices that you can get into and the tiny things and the big things. So um, I know that's important to you. And that was something you mentioned before we started talking about how, you know, being outside is, is, is good for kids. So what, what do you think about that? Like, why, why do you think the outdoors is a good space for children? Yeah. When I was working inside with kids or whenever I am, um, I, I constantly have to be telling them to not be children, basically like, uh, use your walking feet, please don't throw that. Um, you can use a quieter voice, We have so many uh, confinements that we place on kids when we're inside because of, Mm. um, I don't know, we're around other people or 
it hurts our ears or all the practical parts of being inside. But when you're outside, kids can be free and be kids like they're made to be. And so there's so much more learning that happens because they are not confined. Um, If they want to run, they can run. If they want to throw things, they can throw things. Uh, We have a rule that we don't scream inside the shelter, but if you feel like screaming, you can leave the shelter. Um, So there's, there's just so much more freedom that can be found outside. Yeah. And I know, you know, I know you mentioned um, or before we, you know, when we talked before about child-led learning and how, how does that play into things then in in the, in the barefoot, barefoot farm school? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we are a a child-led learning environment, which does not mean that the kids are in charge. (laughs) It means that, (laughs) wouldn't that be a disaster? (laughs) We, um, it means that we follow their interests and we know that we can't know what's going on inside of their heads and we don't know how they're learning and everybody learns at a different pace. And so our job as adults is to watch them, to see what they're interested in, where their growing edges are, ask them questions, and then provide resources for them to explore to grow however they need to in the moment. Mm-hmm. And then also our classroom has just resources for the kids. So building things and um, balancing things, gross motor skill building, fine motor skill building. So we're always thinking about all of the the classic preschool developmental markers, but we are providing them as opportunities rather than forcing them on the kids. Mm, I love that. Well, and so you do you have some sort of a loose schedule then that you follow through the day? Like walk us through like what a typical day would look like. Yeah, we have a rhythm. So we get there. This is during preschool. Summer camp is quite a bit more free. Um, but during preschool, during the school year, we get we arrive together in the morning. We sing a good morning song and kind of talk about what we're excited to do that day and just check in with each other. And then we play all morning. Oh, we sign in so that the kids will write their names or stamp their names or scribble their names. Um, I actually just made a reel about this on Instagram that some kids are writing their names and some kids are scribbling, but we're providing opportunity to sign in. Mm. So we all sign in and then we play all morning in our outdoor classroom. And then uh, at about 1130, so like two and a half hours in, we all eat lunch together. And then we usually go on an adventure. So in the forest or in a different field that has a creek in it near the pond. Then we come back at the end of the day, we sing a goodbye song and think about what we did that day to kind of close it up and then they go home. So really we're playing all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned the music too. So is that something that's pretty consistent throughout the day in the program? Yeah. I sing all the time. I can't help it. Oh. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I grew up in a really musical family, which I'm so grateful for. And uh, yeah, music is just really important for our brains and especially for kids' brains. So we, we try to sing as much as possible. It helps kids stay regulated. It helps them remember things. It helps them learn things. It helps them have artistic art expression. So we have our, our good morning and goodbye song, but also um, I'll just kind of sing throughout the day. And sometimes also we have kind of impromptu little circle times or music moments or book reading moments where we all just end up gathering together and, and 
singing or reading or whatever. That's wonderful. What well, and do you mind talking a little bit more about that as far as the regulation of singing goes? Because I know for me, one of the life hacks is if I feel stressed or whatever, I can hum. So like <laughs> it's an mm-hmm. automatic thing. If I feel a little overworked or I just start humming. Um, and I know that that has been shown to you know calm the vagus nerve or, you know, get your nervous system sort of back in, in balance. You know, have you, did you have any special training in that? Or was that just one of those things that you understand about music? Yeah, I think throughout the years, I've been lucky to share space with lots of great musicians. So kind of informal training in that way. Um, But for me, it's really an instinctual knowing that singing is important. And just through my experience as a preschool guide teacher, also, um, I can tell that it helps. So there's that, that nervous system calming. There's also, uh, the rhythm of music can be really settling for people, especially if it's in your body. Like if you're tapping or clapping, that can give a rhythm to your body and kind of slow you down almost like a heartbeat. Mm. Um, we also know that when people sing together, their heartbeats align, mm. which is just wild to me. Um, yeah. And then, um, that building community too. There's something about sitting in a circle and singing together and smiling with each other that, that gets us in touch with each other. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I've personally experienced that so many times, you know, at any sort of gathering where there's a lot of people there for the same reason and there's music, it, it really, it just kind of goes through you and you just feel like you're all one at, at that point in time. It's really amazing. Um, And I want to go back to the child-led part for a minute, because one of the things that I know people get kind of confused about when it comes to homeschooling, um, and we definitely um, abide by sort of the philosophy of unschooling, is that, you know, this Mm -hmm. whole idea of child-led, when people hear child-led, they think child is running the home, child is (laughs) making all the decisions, and there's this automatic kind of defensiveness and maybe a reaction to it. And, um, you know, I, I, I very much tell people it's not about child led in the sense that we give them all this responsibility. Cause I think that's extremely unfair to the child. Mm-hmm. It's about paying attention to them and allowing them to show us what they naturally are inclined to like and do and be drawn towards. So, you know, how, how can you, can you elaborate a little bit more on that in terms of how you, follow that philosophy totally yeah I always say and think about that our our educational goals or our our learning environment is child-led so we're following the kids to um to watch what they're interested in learning and our uh community or our discipline I guess is very much not child-led in order to support the child-led learning that's happening. So uh, as adults, we hold really strong boundaries Mm. so that the kids know where the edges are so that they can feel safe to explore inside of the edges, Um, if that makes sense. I almost think about our classroom as a a big bubble, like it has a force field around it. And my job is to keep the bubble and to tell them where they need to stop, whether that's how they're interacting with each other or if they're becoming dysregulated, um, my job is to, 
to help them stay in their executive functioning brain as much as possible. And when they have that support and those strong boundaries, they're able to be really curious and learn whatever they need to. Mm, Okay. And do you have sort of go-to ways to respond to kids? Let's imagine there's a, because, you know, they're preschoolers, so we're going to have some um, arguing and some maybe pulling toys or being upset about somebody getting to a place before somebody else. So in that situation, you know, do you kind of pay attention from a distance at first and sort of see if they settle it or, you know, how, how would you address that? Yeah, we're, we're really uncomfortable with conflict in our society. And when we see conflict, we tend to want to fix it. Mm. And that's not always necessary. Of course, we are keeping the kids safe as much as possible. We don't want anybody to be hurt. Of course. And some arguing is super healthy. And that's a part of a really healthy community. Um, So we're scaffolding communication skills a lot. So like if, for example, um, a kid says, Aaron, she took my paintbrush. I'll ask, did you like that? Did you like it when she took your paintbrush? This is inspired by conscious discipline, which is a social emotional curriculum that I love. Um, So did you like when she took the paintbrush? And then, of course, no, I didn't like when she took the paintbrush. And so then I always ask, did you tell her that you didn't like that? You could just say, I didn't like when you took the paintbrush and then um, really support their conversation. Um, sometimes if kids are are so dysregulated that they're not ready for that conversation, we'll take breaths or sing songs or um, get them back in their thinking brain before we we support a conversation between the two kids. But our goal is to encourage the children to be able to communicate with each, with each other as much as possible so that um, they can solve their own conflicts mm-hmm. whenever they can. No, I think that's extremely powerful. And, you know, like you said, I'm looking on your website and one of the things you said was, I believe so strongly in the power of early childhood education. I think it's one of the things mm-hmm. our world needs the most. I believe that children who learn to speak to each other with respect, who learn to sing and play and ask great questions, who know what their feelings feel like and what to do with them are children who are happy. When we share these tools with them, we pave their roads. That's powerful. I like I like Thank how you, you explain that because, you know, it's not our job to create every experience for the kids. It's not our job to jump in and, and make it super simple and easy And um, because I do think that our growth happens in the challenges, you know, and they happen when we're faced with stuff that that give us an opportunity to work through how we visualize or feel or see or expect. And um, when when we're in those different environments and, and ones like what you've created, it really does give kids opportunity over and over again to work through those feelings. And I think that happens, you know, in family units, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes I do think within the family units, um, there, there could be more of an opportunity for parents to try to solve the problem versus allowing the kids to let it just kind of work it out together. So can you talk a little bit more about that conscious discipline that you're using? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I think a lot about the difference between, being a parent and being a teacher, like you were saying, it's different when you're in a family unit. And uh, I love these children dearly, and they are not my own children. And I am more comfortable with seeing them be 
um, uncomfortable mm-hmm. than their parents might be. And that's why it's important to have a community because we we can all treat the kids differently to diversify their experience in childhood to make them stronger. Mm. Um, but conscious discipline is, yeah, a social emotional curriculum written by Dr. Becky Bailey. And the basis of conscious discipline is the brain state model. So she talks about your, your executive functioning brain, your emotional brain, and your fight or flight brain. And our goal as supporters of young children is to give them the tools to be in their executive functioning brain as much as possible. And if you are in your emotional brain or your fight or flight brain, especially, you're not going to be able to learn anything. So if um, a kid is, is in their fight or flight stage, so like they're um, yelling or running away or moving around, sometimes you can just see it in their eyes. They, they need to feel safe. Mm. So you need to care for them so that they can elevate their brain state. If they're in their emotional state, they forget what the word she uses, but um, they need to feel cared for in their space. And then when they're in their executive functioning brain, they can um, really explore and fulfill their curiosities and all the reasons that we're in community together. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So they have lots of tools there's the teacher toolbox your your tools of assertiveness and calm and then the tools that we give the kids um it's it's really complete I like it a lot yeah sounds that way it also sounds like something a lot of adults could use (laughs) yeah yeah it's really it's more about training the adults than training the kids Mm -hmm. well do you use those words do you use kind of like the language of this model with the kids like do they understand things like the emotional brain and fight and flight? I mean, have you used that kind of terminology or do y'all have a specific terminology that you use for the younger kids? Yeah. I, if kids are, if I can tell a kid is in their fight or flight brain, I would call that being out of control Mm. Um, and being in your executive functioning brain is being in control and it's really uncomfortable to be out of control. That's another part of it is that kids are, are not bad. So we're assuming positive intent all the time from the kids because they're little scientists and they're exploring their boundaries and their edges. And sometimes that's scary and hard. Mm. So it's our job to support them. Um, so I, I'll say to them, it looks like you're out of control right now. I'm here to help you. I'm on your team. And then we'll, we'll sort it out from there. Yeah. That's, yeah, I found when um, I was a new mom and parenting my son, who's now almost 21, when I talked to him about his emotions and I I'd made those observations, it, it was fascinating to me to watch how fast he picked up that language to explain it to somebody else. So he, he would be in a, in a play setting with another child and he might, you know, use some of the words I used with him when he saw something so I, I think that they're such imitators and yeah. when we give them something great to imitate, you know, it, it, it's, <laughs> it's amazing what, what can come out of it. So I love that they're getting that opportunity. Is this something that you also do with the parents? Do the, do you teach them these skills? Do you talk to them about conscious discipline? We try to include it kind of in our conferences and in our 
our day-to-day conversations, I would love to have a stronger parent education portion of our school. Mm. We're not quite there right now. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's one of your future goals. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) So you, you said building community is important to you. So what other things are you doing um, to ensure that the community stays strong and, and um, they're depending on each other? Do you do anything outside of the, um, the, the time that the kids are there, like a yearly events or anything like that? Yeah, we try to have as many uh, potluck after school gatherings as we can. It's we have kind of pretty bad luck with our our community gatherings. It always rains, mm. which is fine for preschool and not great for a party. Sure. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, in the summer we have potlucks. Um, in the winter time, near Christmas and holidays, we have like Christmas holiday singing circles. Um, in the dark. I love singing in the dark. So we have a campfire and we sing songs in the dark together. Um, but yeah, some like Halloween party, um, Valentine's Day party, things like that. And then the summer, just um, just kind of casual potlucks where people come and hang out and get to know each other. That's nice. Yeah. Well, have you had, I mean, I guess you've had to turn people away, right? Since it's only 12 kids at this point. Yeah, you know, this year, this upcoming year is the first year that we've had a wait list. Our summer camp is quite popular, but people are pretty nervous, I think, to send their kids to outdoor preschool. So it's been a lot harder than I anticipated to get kids in our school. Mm, well, But we're full next year. Okay, good. Well, that's a good sign. I do. I mean, yeah. I can understand, like as a mom to two, there's probably a, you know, a part of us that's what do you mean? There's no walls. What do you mean? Are you sure they won't just wander off right. <laughs> and be gone? And I, I, you know, like I said, I worked in preschools and when I was in college, I had a kid who actually left the building and jumped the fence. Um, wow. and, uh, yeah, so they can get away if they really want to get away. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's a big part of why we're building community because if they want to be part of the group and if they feel cared for, then we will stick together. That's our biggest, uh, motivator for like staying together in the woods, for example, of course, we're counting kids all the time and watching them and standing on the boundaries. Um, but if they're part of the group, they're not going to run away. Yeah. You know, and I've found that to be the case too. I mean, it's in, in a way it's kind of like that little pack mentality that we're all together. Yeah. We're, we're, you know, safety in numbers. And I actually want to be here. It's not a matter of a forced mm-hmm. situation, which changes everything when there's yeah. that buy-in and that desire to be a part of that group. It's, um, it's amazing how much easier it allows things to be. And the flow is, is so much better. Um, so what have been some growing pains that you've experienced as you, this idea started out and, and now you're looking at growing it? Yeah. I always say that I wanted to have a preschool, not own a business. Oh, Um, okay. Yeah. (laughs) That wasn't originally part of my dream, although I am actually getting really excited about the business side of things recently, but things like taxes and stuff, Mm. but um, yeah, like I mentioned, getting our community together has been harder than I thought it would be, Um, even in a place like Bellingham, where a lot of folks want to be outside. It's it's been hard. And then the other part that is hard for me, especially is. is communicating with parents and just building relationships with parents because 
I, I do this work because I love kids and because I'm good at hanging out with kids and hanging out with adults is not as much of a strong suit for me. <laughs> so um, really honing those uh, communication skills and, and bringing them in has been kind of tricky. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I get that. And it's like you said, I mean, once you've got a, a space where you feel like you thrive, it doesn't mean you necessarily want to do all the other stuff that goes along with it, but it's part, it's part of it now. Um, so if there's anybody listening, who's considering something like this or has an idea similarly to what, what you had, would mm-hmm. you, what, what kind of suggestions would you give them or insights or, you know, just things to think about before they jump? So much. Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) I, I would recommend starting with a summer camp. I love that we did that because it gives you uh, a set end date where if you didn't like something that you were doing, it gives you an opportunity to change it with your next group of kids. Um, And yeah, what else? Building a community is, is it takes a lot of energy. Yeah. So just being prepared for that and being really passionate about it. If it's something that you love to do, it will happen. So honestly, I would recommend jumping in and figuring it out. That's kind of how I work is, is doing it and then figuring out how to keep it going. Because if you think about it too hard, it'll get overwhelming. There are so many parts to having a preschool or a school or a summer camp or anything. And you'll figure it out as you go. Yeah. So it's kind of, you know, the idea of if you haven't, if you have something that you love to do and that you're good at, just, uh, just offer it to the community in some way, shape or form with the understanding that we're not, this is not a complete plan. It's more of a beginning. It's like an appetizer. (laughs) We're going to, you know, try this out and then see where it goes from there. Yeah. And if you come into it with a a joyful spirit and with enthusiasm, people will step in to help you. And if you're willing to accept the help, then it'll grow into something awesome. Yeah. So how does your husband participate? Is he part of the school as well? Or is he is he's currently unofficially part of it. We are scheming all the time about how to get him (laughs) officially on staff. We were we're excited about owning the business together. Yeah. He has, he's a fish biologist. He has his own job, but he does all of our taxes and he's built all of our structures in the classroom. Um, And then he's my kind of bring me down to earth, slow down, organize a little bit. Yeah. um, Helper, I guess. It's nice. Yeah. He's, he's very solid and I'm very dreamy. It's nice to have that balance, isn't it? (laughs) It is. Uh, Well, um, so talk to us a little bit. We didn't even, I don't think even got into this. We just jumped right into the farm school. So tell me a little bit about your background. Like you were, you, you said you've always kind of wanted to have your own preschool. Like where did all that sort of begin? Do you think? Yeah, I was thinking about my, my future career ever since I was quite young. It was always something that evolved, um, that involved, community and kids and singing and being outside. So was it um, being an occupational therapist or being a pastor or having a community center? It, I don't know, it, it kind of, there are a lot of different ideas, but this really combines it all. So I, 
have a, a degree in interdisciplinary studies in community education. So I combined um, religious studies and education together to create a degree where I really explored how different communities raise their kids, whether it's in a religious space or not in a school space. Um, and then ever since I graduated college, I taught in preschools, in, in indoor classic preschools, and then I opened Barefoot Farm School from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you said you started it in 2020, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that was probably godsend to a lot of families. Yeah, it was a really convenient time because people wanted to be outside to mitigate the germs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's such a, you know, that's, that's where nature, nature intends us to be the most time, not inside stuck with right. one another, with the windows closed and no, no circulation. Totally. So what are some of your long-term goals then? I know we talked a little bit about that, but like, what are, what are some other, let's dream together. Like, what are some of your dreams for the, for the program? Okay. Uh, I, anytime. I would love to have another classroom, probably in the woods. Um, in terms of running the business, childcare is really expensive. It's too expensive. I would love for it to be more accessible to families because yeah. the, the math of tuition dollars paying staff just doesn't work out. So I would love to have another classroom so that we could, instead of having 12 kids and three adults, we could have 24 kids and five adults Mm. so that our staff could be paid a little bit better and the school could be a little bit cheaper. Then also, I am really excited about doing a little bit more outreach and training. So creating an online course maybe or doing more consulting. I do a little bit of that now, but increasing that side of the business so that we can have more income sources and the school can be cheaper and more people can join us. Yeah. What, and have you thought about doing maybe even some, um, do you do programming or anything for homeschool families? We have quite a few homeschool families who use us as kind of an enrichment space. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, and we already are during the school day, but yeah, I've talked with some, some occupational therapists about having play groups here or um, maybe like homeschool meetups on the property or in our classroom. Yeah. Getting other people to use the space would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It just looks so beautiful. I'm looking at it on your website. And then of course your reels that you put on uh, Instagram are lovely and so inviting. And um, so I definitely encourage everybody to check that out. And your handle is bare feet farm school, all one word, right? Yes. Bare feet farm school. And um, yeah, you, you talked about the handwriting one and I, is that the most recent one you made? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was yesterday. Yeah. Some tips on name writing in a play-based pre- preschool setting. And you have paper out with markers. And so the idea is when the kids come in, you're just like, here, sign in, however it looks for you. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Um, we don't do any name tracing, Okay. Which is how a lot of preschool educators teach kids to write letters. We support the evolution of their name writing. And so that starts with scribbles or just lines. And then they'll start to 
to close their shapes to make like circles and triangles um, and then more letter looking forms and then eventually they'll start writing their names and we we have their names written all over the classroom so they can see them and we model writing for them when they ask for it and through the course of a school year people learn to write their names almost by magic although we've worked really hard at it yeah it's like you're 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 keeping tabs on it and you're offering it as an option so it's available but it's not like a dedicated sit down we're going to work on your name today kind of thing right and it's yeah and and kids want to be able to write they want mm-hmm. to be able to read it's an important skill for surviving yeah and i've noticed too in all the little activities we've done over the years but also being in the classroom setting that when they're able to freely move about and pick and choose and especially if they have a friend that's doing it, it's amazing how they'll be like, wait a minute, are you doing that? I want to do that. I want to learn how you're doing that. And it's the same with adults too. I mean, we watch somebody else do something and it looks interesting and we think, hmm, I want to give that a try. So it's really that, like you said earlier, the modeling, giving them the opportunity and just modeling the, the activity. Totally. Yeah, it's so funny that sometimes we have kids basically rotating through centers in our classroom and we are not trying to make that happen at all but you know they'll go um do some some digging in the mud pit and then they'll go read a book and then they'll go write their name and then they'll go play an imaginary game and it's just like an indoor preschool classroom except the kids are going wherever they want wherever they want um and they're happy (laughs) yeah yeah, that's the that's the kicker right there, isn't it? Yeah. To be able to watch them in within their spaces and be so joyful about it. Well, I I want to just before we wrap up, I want to I want to talk about the safety aspect a little bit more. Um because sure. I I know we touched on it, but it just feels like something that maybe people are still concerned about. So, can you just mm-hmm. talk us walk us through you actually have a post about safety. Um I think yeah, yeah, it says safety yeah. is not real until we create it and it's more and it's more than a fence. So can you elaborate on that a little bit for people who can't see the little video that you po- posted? Sure. Um, yeah, when you think of outdoor preschool, what's your your biggest safety concern? Who, me? Yeah. Um, I, I guess probably getting lost. Like this whole idea sure. of them just wandering off because it's so wide open and there's no classroom walls and a door that shuts you know how we think about confining kids all the time totally yeah um well we do have our fence and Mm -hmm. our fence is there for a reason although I often say that it's to keep the donkeys out not to keep the kids in (laughs) but which is true the donkeys really want to get in our classroom but um yeah we we build our community and we know our kids knowing our kids is our biggest um our biggest way to keep everybody safe because we know which kids might be inclined to run away or why they might run away. Is it because they're feeling scared or angry or when this happens, they go over here. Um, So we spend a lot of time in our classroom, really looking at the kids and making sure that we feel confident going out in the forest with them. Mm. And um, then also knowing the kids so that we can, we can front load them with whatever they need, whether whether it's uh, a connection or 
or check-ins or whatever so that they feel regulated so that they're ready to to follow the rules and routines in our community um a lot of people are concerned about the weather it gets cold it gets hot knowing our kids is another way that we can support them in weather um so we're always checking in with them about are their hands cold or your face looks hot would you like some water um and then by doing that we're encouraging them to to notice their own uh feelings the Mm. sense of interoception is is knowing how you are feeling whether that's your emotions or your temperature or your comfort or whatever so the more that we can encourage them to feel what they're feeling they will put on a coat or drink their water or sit down when they need to mm-hmm. um but yeah the that post about about safety isn't real uh it's something i think about a lot because we always say that we want our kids to be safe but nothing is is really safe because all kinds of dangerous things could happen. Mm -hmm. I will say that playing with a sharp pencil inside of a classroom in a controlled environment is very similar to playing with a sharp stick in the woods, but we are much more fearful about playing with sharp sticks uh, because we have a, a false sense of control. So we can give people skills to keep them more safe or more comfortable or out of harm's way, but that's all we can do. We can't stop them from being hurt and we don't want to stop them from being hurt, especially when they're little to, to small degrees because their bodies are bouncy and their souls are learning. So if we can give them the skills that they need right now, then they will not get hurt in big ways in mm. the future. Yeah. No, I love that. And something you said too about paying attention to the kids and front loading them with information before mm-hmm. heading out into the woods, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, I immediately think about how much energy and effort that takes. And that's a lot of dedication, you know, and I think people underestimate the ability to create a, a healthy environment comes from the input that the adults give, you know, it's, Absolutely. it's like you, you know, the fence is there, it's, it's there physically, but it's also there symbolically because you've worked really hard to get to know those kids and to understand and to hear them and not just a matter of seeing them and watching them, but you're listening too. So that's a constant feedback loop that really makes that space very powerful and, and self-contained without being self-contained, you know, like, sure. uh, Yeah. Thanks for noticing. It is, it's hard mm -hmm. to be, it takes a lot of energy to be around little kids and to build relationships with them and, uh, yeah, I think more, more emotional energy than people anticipate sometimes. Yeah. That's why when you said from nine to three, I really did was like, wow, that's a long time. <laughs> but once you set up your routines and once you build that community, they play and yeah. they'll just play for hours on end. And all we have to do is support the space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think again, that goes back to the beauty of that child led aspect, you know, having the environment, having the, the people, the adults and, um, you know, kids are good. They, they just, they keep them, they rest when they need to rest. They run when they need to run, yeah. you know, they just move their bodies. They enter, they, um, they're curious and, uh, it's, it's, there's fascinating, fascinating little creatures. Yeah. Well, thank you 
so much for spending time to talk to us about it. And, you know, before we wrap up completely, I would love to hear if there's any like resources or particular things for parents to keep in, to keep in mind, even if they don't do a forest school or an outdoor, um, an outdoor space necessarily regularly, like kind of even what to think about in their own backyards. Totally. Um, yeah, well, I have on our website, com slash resources, I have a list of uh, books and podcasts and movies and articles that I'm inspired by as I continue to grow this school. So folks could check in on that. It is mostly about either being outside with kids or just being with little kids in general. Um, but yeah, I would encourage everybody to go outside in big ways or small ways and see how it feels because it could make a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And maybe even check in with their own fears. Like you asked me, you know, what are my fears or what are the parents' fears? What are your biggest Mm -hmm. concerns? And then, you know, one of the things I've said to a lot of parents who are interested in homeschooling, I'm like, you know, what are your fears and are they true? You know, are they really true? Are they just something that you're kind of repeating based on something you heard or the way you were raised possibly, but let's really dig down. Are they true? Sure. Yeah, are you scared for yourself or are you scared for the kids? Yes. Too? Is yes. It, yeah, who's who's making it? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, tell everybody where they can find you. We already well, actually we already told people, didn't we? We told people that they could find you at on Instagram. As do you have a Facebook page? We do, but I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's mostly <laughs> it's mostly on Instagram at Barefeet Farm School and then barefeetfarmschool.com and then um if you're local close to Bellingham we'd love to have you on the farm thank you for listening to learn more about guests on the podcast and to stay up to date on how they are showing up to make the world a better place for children and families please check the show notes to become a part of the great educational awakening and to keep up with my latest writings offerings and workshops be sure you're signed up for my Substack newsletter you can also follow along on social media at Let Em Go Barefoot. That's L-E-T-E-M-G-O Barefoot. If you are new to homeschooling, new to unschooling, or are simply unschooling curious, but not sure where to start, we now have a beautiful 43-page downloadable guide that walks you through the how and why of self-directed education and child-led learning, as well as responses to common questions and concerns around academics, motivation, college, community, and more. You can find a link to purchase your copy in the show notes. Thank you so much for your support. As always, stay curious, stay connected, and stay aware. Until next time.